Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I'm here as always with the man, the myth, Brett Jones, and I am one of your other co-hosts that's not nearly as cool as Brett, but my name is Mike Perry, and today we are going to talk about the get-up. Turkish or not, we're going to be talking about this exercise that you do with a kettlebell, and and, and some people love it, some people do not, but hey, listen, we're huge fans, and and uh, you know, Brett has has put out endless content on the get-up, and, and I've done a, a few things as well, so... Today, we're going to talk about, um, you know, all aspects. We're going to talk about working those transitions, programming, um, sort of areas of opportunity where you can improve your getup. But we're going to talk all things getup. And if, if you're a big fan of getups, you're going to like today. If you don't like getups, just go listen to one of the other podcasts because you're not going to want to hear this one. But uh, Brett, how you doing, bud? I'm fabulous. Just uh, hanging in there. Um, and, uh, you know, over the years um have had a thing or thing or two or 10 to say about the getup and um looking forward to the to the conversation and um it's interesting uh i think you know obviously the pendulum doesn't swing to the middle it swings through it so we've we've swung the pendulum has swung both directions on the getup a bunch of times over the years and to being this kind of to, to most everybody, this new exercise when the original uh, Russian kettlebell challenge book came out <clears throat> to becoming one of the six uh, main exercises taught at the uh, Strong First Certifications. And, um, you know, the Kalos Stenos, kettlebells from the ground up, Kalos Stenos, kettlebells from the ground up too. Um, and just a, a lot of uh, thoughts and, you know, there's, there's some folks out there now that are, uh, kind of, I don't know, I want to say demonizing, but, um, they're, they're trying to put the kettlebell and the get up, uh, in a box and nobody puts baby in a corner. I knew so, that. Uh, I knew, I knew that was coming. You, that you one knew it times. was coming. That's crazy for Swayze, baby. I was watching roadhouse last night. Um, but I, I think, um, I, I always joke with folks that uh, a day without get-ups is a bad day. And uh, I think that um, I've referred to it as like the Swiss Army knife. Uh, I think there's um, just a bunch of different things that the get-up can provide to you. Uh, and maybe towards the end of the conversation, we'll talk a little bit about just how far you can take it and how far do you need to take it. Absolutely. So, um, I'm going to start this at a, uh, you know, from a slightly different standpoint, because I think when people think get up, they assume grab a kettlebell and go through the motions and go from there. But if you've spent any amount of time working with, with older individuals, especially, and, and even I've worked with people that have, you know, had strokes in the past, the get up is really a systematic way to hopefully safely get up and down off the floor. And I've used my knowledge of 
teaching people the Turkish getup and, and diving into it, breaking down various aspects of the getup to literally help elderly people transition from the floor to the standing position. I've helped people that have had, you know, strokes navigate their way through these transitions of going from the supine position and trying to find a way to safely get to the standing position on their own. So yes, it can be an awesome tool for people that, you know, want to get stronger shoulders and create shoulder stability and all the other things that we love about the getup. But at its, at its simplest form, it's simply an opportunity to go from the ground to standing and then back down because that's something we do every day. And one of the things that I always observe when I'm teaching a group of individuals a get up, whether it's a class or, you know, even if it's a certification, it's, it's, God, what, what would you naturally do if you were laying down and get up and you watch them? And, and so many people do this variation of a get up that looks very similar to what we would be doing with a kettlebell. And all we're doing is changing a few things so we can, you know, stack the joints and get a little bit better biomechanics out of it. Because if we are going to load it, we, we need to pay attention to biomechanics. And um, it's a beautiful thing when you can really educate people on how to get from that ground to standing on their own. And it's not just about the kettlebell. 100%. Uh, like you said, uh, when you're working with a, a more senior population, number one thing they're afraid of is falling. Number two thing they're afraid of is not being able to get back up. And so, you know, this this is a life skill uh, that can benefit uh, just nearly anyone. And so I, I think that uh, it should have a place in, in people's training. Uh, and to kind of transition into that biomechanical conversation, I think Gray uh, gave it one of the best descriptions that I've ever heard, that the getup is alignment with integrity under load. And uh, I question people at certifications, workshops, and training sessions all the time. When you're, in, when you're doing a getup, what's holding the kettlebell? And, you know, of course, it's the hand, the shoulder, whatever. And my answer is the ground. My goal during the getup is to align my structure so that the load is centered through me efficiently to the ground. And so that puts the getup in a different category. Um, it's uh, it's a what would old timers would probably call it a support lift because uh, we're not actually pressing the kettlebell other than the initial roll to press where we get it in position. But we're transitioning through all of these different movements uh, with this alignment and integrity and aligning the load efficiently through our body. So the ground holds it. And so there's a ton of things that are happening within that. But if we just think about it from that standpoint, um, I think it, it kind of coalesces a lot of the benefits that we're looking for out of the getup. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where it really does check a lot of boxes. Um, and especially if you can learn to do it again, like Gray said, sort of with integrity and with alignment and with, with quality posture, because, um, one of the things that I've, I've noticed uh, about just training getups consistently is when I do them consistently, I just feel better. And, and I would say that that is the case for, um, for the majority of my clients. And, um, you know, even, even for those individuals that let's say you get someone that moves very, very well, right. They don't have any movement limitations or restrictions, just doing some slow getups with a lightweight, maybe one and one, and then going a little bit heavier, two and two and three and three, maybe working up to five and five. 
that can be one of the best warmups out there because it checks so many boxes, right? Um, you are, are, you're moving through various planes. You're going through these transitional shapes and postures. You're having to pay attention, which is a big part of warming up because people often just days off. So there's, there's so many, there's so many ways that you can use this sort of uh, this movement to, to whether it's warming up, whether it's uh, working under, you know, you know if your goal is shoulder stability on both sides, I mean, there's just so many different ways that you can use it. And that's one of the, the reasons why I truly, truly love incorporating it um, with, with my clients and my students and, and, and my fighters. hundred uh, percent. Um, to, to paraphrase um, a previous American president, ask not what the getup can do for you, uh, but ask what you need from your getup. And, um, you know, it's, it, and I think people look at the entire movement and the first time you demonstrate it for somebody, they're like, I'm never going to remember all those steps. Um, or you'll have somebody say, well, you know, I'm not good overhead or I can't do the lunge or, you know, I can't, my big toes are, I have arthritis, I have gout, I, I, I can't flex my big toes, so I can't do get-ups. Well, the first step in the get-up, the roll to elbow is, in my opinion, the most important step in the getup. And I had a had a client um, years ago who had had, uh, as a child, had had several knee, early knee surgeries when they were just starting to do these things in, in, from a pediatric standpoint. And he had about 15 degrees of total knee motion. That was it. Wow. Yeah. We weren't doing full getups. But getting him to do getups to the elbow uh, allowed us to check in on right left strength symmetry and on days where he couldn't do the same thing from right to left we knew we needed to spend a little extra time there and 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 check that box uh again to make sure that he was dialed in for the rest of his training and so I, and i bring that up as uh, as an example of the pieces of the getup are greater than the sum and I think that if you'll, if you, if you'll take that approach and you can just build it one step at a time, get somebody really good at doing the roll to press and getting to the elbow and just that those first steps to get up and stay there for a while. You're, you're going to get benefit. Um, and we can dive down the rabbit hole. Um, most people try to turn it into a sit up instead of a 45 degree roll um, your drill of actually bringing the, the driving leg, that bent leg off the ground, uh, in order to, um, you know, perform the, the roll to elbow is brilliant. Um, because it's, I love it because it's oxymoronic. What we're actually going to get you better do at doing is driving through that leg by not driving through that leg. <laughs> and well, so, it, yeah. I love and, it. And I, I, a lot of people haven't seen that. Maybe I'll, I'll try to find a video where I can repost it, but, um, but yeah, you're right. Yes, I please. mean, it's because I was, uh, I was trying to send that to a client the other day. So yes, please, <laughs> please, please do that. Yeah. So, and, and sort of that idea was that came from that thought process of removing parts actually came from taking the SFMA and, and, you know, through, through functional movement systems and removing parts to dig deeper. And that's when I realized I was like, Hey, we can probably achieve, what we're looking for here, if we actually take a few things away and actually simplify it, like remove some of the joints in a sense and, and then go from there. But, um, but, but it, it, here's what it comes down to though. Like 
when you spend enough time with whether it's a swing or a getup, you start to learn sort of these intricacies of it. And I know that early on, you you and Gray do, uh, dove pretty deep into the getup, and you know you did calisthenos, and and then you know calisthenos too as well. But those those two those two DVDs uh, really opened my eyes on one um, breaking down a complex movement in a way that is digestible, but at the same time. Um, just the troubleshooting aspect of, of learning, Hey, like, Oh, there's these, there's these little subtleties that have to happen. And to the untrained eye, you don't even see them. But once you do these things thousands and thousands of times, like I can watch someone's roll the elbow and go, okay, this is what we need to fix. But at first I'm like, why the hell does this look like a really bad setup? Right. So there's just, <laughs> there's, there's just, uh, so many intricacies of it that, that, um, that we can dial in, but it only comes through just experience. Like, that drill that we were referring to and all the other things that you've done, like correct me if I'm wrong, but if you didn't spend all of the, all of that time sort of tinkering and thinking about the various transitions and aspects, you probably would have never of sort of dug as deep as you did. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I kind of have to credit, uh, uh, gray on that. Um, he's, he's the deep thinker. Um, I'm, I'm the repeater and, uh, I, I come up with my, my little pearls of wisdom every now and then, but, uh, you know, gray really took the deep dive on, on that. And, and, uh, and then, you know, with, with us sharing our, uh, you know, uh, perspectives on the get up and, and making sure that we, we checked all the boxes and, and we threw in the pro tip and that's where Bretzel was seen was on uh kettlebells from the ground up uh the the, the original uh video uh and when i uh, on, on video uh that's that's an honest reaction i had never seen it before he he enjoyed he relished the idea of in that position uh on camera the very first time i had ever tried it um so that's what it was fantastic but let's go um let's talk about one more kind of conceptual piece and then maybe go step by step uh and Absolutely. just kind of quickly talk about you know things that we things that we kind of see at each step and ways that we can make it make it better but i think um this concept of what we used to call packing the shoulder um which i now prefer to refer to as connecting the shoulder because when you tell people to pack the shoulder they sometimes the visual on that has them overdoing what we want them doing at the shoulder. Um, as we're transitioning through all of these different movements, there's a good bit of scapular movement and stability. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, there's a good Bless bit of scapular you. movement and stability that's that's required. And it's full upward rotation of the scapula that has to happen so that the glenoid is pos positioned so the head of the femur can be properly positioned in the, in the glenoid. And so that, but now we go from horizontal position of the roll to press to a slightly vertical position at the elbow to more vertical than we're at the hand. And then we sweep the leg and go back to kind of a horizontal uh, abducted position uh, and then transition into half kneeling where now we have to 
really have that scapula transition and and create that good force coupling at the at the rotator cuff and the glenoid to really stabilize that that joint. So we want that shoulder connected to the body, but if we start restricting that movement at the scapula, we'll cause a bunch of problems. And so connect the shoulder, don't necessarily pack the shoulder. Uh, think about that alignment of the load coming through the body into the ground. And I think you'll, you'll end up in better positions, uh, for the, for the getup. And, you know, I, I have friends and I've, I've trained some MLB folks, uh, I have friends in, in MLB and, and, uh, clinicians who work with, uh, people in baseball, uh, typically, a, a community of people, not such a fan of overhead, uh, loaded exercises. Uh, the getup is almost universally, uh, liked, and I know it's had a tremendous impact for, uh, for those overhead athletes. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think when I think about packing the shoulder and joint centration, those are two sort of things that seem to be, when we talk about shoulder mechanics, a lot of people talk about, you know, joint centration of the glenohumeral joint and same thing with shoulder packing. Um, I, I kind of think of that as like a neutral spine. It's a range, not a destination. And um, everyone's, you know, spine sort of you know, likes to live in this sort of middle ground where we're not too, too biased towards extension or flexion, but it's somewhere in the middle. And yes, some people are overly biased in one way or the next, but generally the sweet spot is, is, is somewhere in the middle, right? It's, it's, um, it, it's, it, maybe it's not optimal, but it's, it's pretty damn close. And, and then we can obviously, you know, go through each transition and dig a little bit deeper, but, um, you know, packing the shoulder joint centration, all that stuff. Remember it's, it's kind of a range and it's going to take a little bit of trial and error based off of the individual's, uh, you know, mobility, stability, anthropometry, training age, um, just overall experience with the getup to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that, uh, given one of the drills that we use, uh, in, in certifications and, uh, I kind of jumped in on you when we did the uh, cancer benefit and, and threw this into the get up uh, section that you were teaching because I simply can't leave anybody alone to teach. I have to impose myself. Um, is this reach and retract? So if if you're if, if you just hold your arm out in front of you, ninety degrees to the ground, and you reach forward from the scapula and just kind of protract and, and, and have that reach forward to the shoulder without the body moving. And then you pull it back. That's what we're doing through every stage of the getup. And so we, I, and I joke about it being good position, bad position, bad position is reaching forward and disconnecting that sh shoulder. Good position is pulling that shoulder back in. And so while concepts like shoulder packing or connection and joint centration and things like that, you know, can be um, great discussions uh, from a, a philosophical and, and uh, knowledge base uh, standpoint. The application is reach and retract and get that feeling. Um, we use this within uh, some of the strong first materials. If, if you kind of reach back to scratch your back in between your shoulder blades and then extend your arm up, you're in a pretty connected position and you're in a, in a pretty good position. Uh, SFMA, we, we use that as well, just to kind of demonstrate uh, people's ability to get into the overhead position. So um, cool. So conceptually we're alignment with integrity under load. It's a life skill. It's uh, connecting the shoulder and, and putting some high level uh, shoulder mechanics into practice in a very uh, practical way. Uh, if we go step-by-step, uh, oddly enough, 
the role to press is an area where people get lazy. They don't pay attention to it. And since the setup is your first rep, the setup for your getup is this roll onto your side, establish the proper grip. Somebody wrote an article recently on optimizing your grip for the military press, which also works for the, for the getup. So you should go check that out on strongfirst.com. And then you perform this roll back and press one arm chest press or assisted chest press with a free hand uh, to get that bell in position. And we want to connect those shoulders right away and really create this great foundation for being able to hold this load through the body as we transition to the elbow. And it's frustrating to me to see people not give that step of the get up the attention that it needs. Yeah. I mean, that really does set everything else up. And I think if, if there's one thing that I could sort of add to that, which is more uh, philosophical and conceptual is that when you're learning a movement, yes, you are trying to learn aspects of that one movement, but also understand that um, how you start is going to dictate how you finish. And if you're all out of whack right at the beginning of any movement, the rest is, is it's just going to be tougher to, to nail down. So uh, setting that foundation sort of no pun intended, but like just paying attention to every aspect of it, because we, we all can get a little bit lazy. Right. But especially when you're, when you're first learning, you got to front load the skills, right? Like you don't want to overwhelm people with a bunch of cueing, but you want them to get to the point where they, they can feel good position, bad position. And then you can start to sort of get a little bit more nuanced, but um, you, you've got to let people feel bad reps. And when I say bad reps, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we are purposely doing poor repetitions, but there is a learning process in which they're going to go through these stages and it's okay if they're going to be making errors, as long as they're not getting injured, they're just, those errors need to be subtle and they need to provide feedback. So they can make a change because if they don't, if they can't feel it, they can't fix it. We've talked about this all the time, but there, there is a certain point where you, you do have to just pay attention or you're not going to get better because, you know, we can sit here and give you a bunch of cues on this and that, but if you can't feel the subtle differences, it's going to take a lot longer to master. Definitely. And that's the purpose of the body weight get up and the shoe get up and doing the reaches and retractions uh, throughout the stages of the get up. Um, we'd have the same conversation on the single leg deadlift. Um, instead of asking somebody to never rotate your hips and never have the foot turn out, get them in position and let them turn the hips as far as possible. Let them do these airplane sort of maneuvers while they're in this single leg deadlift and, and let them find this. Is, this is where I don't want you. This is where I don't want you eh, in the middle. That that would be great. And so let them explore, create safe situations where you can find Goldilocks too hot, too cold, just right. Um, doesn't work in Hungary because they don't have that children's tail. Uh, so don't use that. If you're teaching in Hungary, don't use that uh, analogy. But, you know, that the concept of that, the, the Goldilocks concept, too hot, too cold, just right, definitely applies in that learning. And to struggle is to learn. Uh, people have this thing where they, they don't want to struggle at all <clears throat> or they don't want their students to struggle at all. If, if I'm speaking to a coach and, and a trainer, certified instructor, um, you can fall into that trap of, well, I want my student to do it perfectly from the start. Uh, good luck with that. Uh, and let, let me know how that goes for you because that's not how people learn. So we create safe 
situations where a range of movement can be explored and we um, we let them struggle to a certain extent. Um, if you're talking a lot during your session and it's queuing, you are screwing up. So not to go too far down a coaching rant. Um, if you want to talk sports, uh, weather, um, whatever, uh, golf, uh, whatever you want to talk about during a session, cool. But if you spend most of your time queuing, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And I would even argue too, that when you are learning something new, like a get up, um, at the beginning, trying to nail down perfect reps, every single step of the way, right from the beginning is not the path to a perfect get up or a really good get up. Actually, the best way to improve your skill set is to 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 learn by doing and to to feel when those positions aren't optimal and and make make changes as needed and just keep on rinsing and repeating and eventually you may start off and I'm just throwing random numbers you may start off start off and make we'll just say five mistakes whatever five mistakes are um, but as you practice you're going to start to slowly recognize oh I should probably feel you know, when I'm doing this, this is what I should feel, or when I'm doing this, this is what I should think about. And you'll start to actually develop your own sort of feedback loop where you can start to, you know, feel when things are a little bit off. And, and that just comes through exposure and failure. And, and like you said, we, we learn by failure. If you, you know, that's just how it is. So, um, and, and failure is not a bad thing. I I would, I would, to put a slightly more positive spin on it, uh, cause I am captain positivity. Um, I would say uh, we learn through struggle mm-hmm. um, and we want to create those, those, those um, opportunities for somebody to struggle within a safe range and learn. And I need to shut my mouth and I need to let that process happen. Uh, give a tip, try to drop a, 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 a cue in that's going to make a difference, but, but let the process unfold. And uh, it, it, definitely the the path for for learning um make it stick is the book that i not made to stick made to stick is about marketing make it stick is about learning and so i recommend that book as a a, something for people to look at to just kind of have a a better insight into this concept of struggle being the key uh, as far as learning is concerned so if we've got a successful role to press next step we got to get to the elbow Getting to the elbow is a 45 degree roll to the op, to the extended arm side um, that's on the ground, about 45 degrees away from the body. Thumb up or palm up on that hand, not palm down. Uh, and we're, we get a good drive through that bent leg. If the arm is up, the leg is up. So if I got my right arm up holding the kettlebell, right knee's bent, and that's the foot that I'm driving through. And I create, uh, you can do, I think... Um, you teach a little bit of a hip shift to mm-hmm. set the set the forty five degree roll. Um, um, I, that works, um, and as long as it's a forty five degree roll to the elbow, uh, cool. And then once you're there, we want that bottom shoulder to be as connected and stabilized as the top shoulder. Except now we're doing something slightly different. In the top arm that's holding the kettlebell, we're allowing that load to connect that shoulder to the body and center through the body. That bottom arm that's connected to the ground, we're actually pushing the ground away. And so we're creating the same connected shoulder, but now because this shoulder is taking the compression and we want to push that ground away, we're 
using a different strategy to create that stable connected shoulder. And so those things are happening throughout the getup. Um, biggest mistake, people try to sit up um, or they start with the arm too far away from the body. And then that's going to create an overextended position once they get to the elbow. So spending some time doing your body weight getups and paying attention to where your positioning is, is the key to kind of mastering that first step. And then that removing the leg from the ground and working on that 45 degree roll to the elbow is uh, another key there. I don't know if you see anything different uh, in the, in the roll to elbow. Yeah. So I, I think, um, you know, initially starting off, um, you know, in that sort of pencil position and doing sort of 45 degree angles with all the extremities is a nice way to, uh, Sweat nice way to start. Yeah, sweat angels, starfish position, however you want to do it. Um, but there's definitely a couple things that, that I want to kind of go over there. One thing that I love what you said, and I've never heard you say it this way, so I want to repeat it. So if we're doing a right-sided getup, the arm that's overhead, we are stabilizing that shoulder in shoulder flexion with joint compression. So that's one of the strategies that we're using. But the bottom arm, which is biased towards shoulder extension, is actually distraction. So we're actually stabilizing, like Brett said, we're, we're stabilizing both shoulders, but one is via distraction and one is via compression, but we're still getting a stable shoulder. So understanding the differences between how those work is, is pretty significant. Um, the next thing is um, <clears throat> individuality within the getup. Now, we always start off at like a, approximately a 45 degree angle with the arm. So if we're talking a right-sided getup, um, your left arm is going to be approximately 45 degrees from the body, and then you're going to go and do your roll to elbow. That's an that's a great starting point, but I'm going to tell you from experience, if you have an athlete with very, very long arms, and, and this is when we can get into talking about anthropometry in each individual. If you have someone that has very, very long arms, a 45 degree angle probably won't work. You're probably going to have to bias them upwards of probably 65 to 75 degrees from the body, because when they go to roll to that elbow, we still want the joint alignment. So we want the elbow directly underneath the shoulder. Now, if you try to do that with someone with very, very long arms, it, it will not work at a 45 degree angle. So you may start at the 45 as some range finding, and then you're going to change the angle uh, dependent on the individual. And you're going to do a bunch of reps to, to determine, Hey, what is a, an optimal starting point, um, from that, you know, fr from a angle from the arm where it meets the torso. So 45 degrees is a great starting point, but then you're just going to have to just change things around based off the individual. And that's just called really good coaching. So that's one thing I want to talk about. And then the other thing is we talk about sort of, um, I do that little hip shift to sort of aim the hips. Um, and again, if we're talking for a right-sided get up, I'm going to shift my hips onto my, uh, onto my left side to aim my, my ASIS, not necessarily right towards the ceiling, but it's going to be slightly shifted away because when we do that, that roll to elbow, um, our hips are actually facing a slightly different direction and all of our joints are sort of moving into that, that 45 degree roll up. So if you're trying to keep both of your hips sort of aimed, you know, both of your ASIS aimed directly towards the ceiling the whole time, and then you try to do your, your roll to elbow, it's going to look like a glorified sit up. And when we bring both of those shoulders and when we're completely flat on our back towards our hips, that's where we see that leg shoot up because it no longer becomes this sort of nice roll up to the elbow. It becomes this area where you have to have crazy amount of multi-segmental flexion to achieve a nice roll to elbow without having those legs fly up. So, you know, that hip shift or just aiming the you know, your two hip bones sort of off center to the side a little bit 
is, is one of the simplest ways to get in a better position to achieve the roll to elbow. 100%. Um, let's talk about the transition from the elbow to the hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, if, if you can kind of stick with my uh, description of this uh, process, I'm at the elbow. I uh, got the cut of bow overhead. I need to get to my hand. So what I do with the forearm on the ground, I uh, turn that forearm rotating slightly behind me as really, quote, as far as I can. Uh, and for me, because I'm Captain Stiff, it's not very far. So I don't want the the really hypermobile people out here to go, you know, windshield wipe with their hand back, this massive position, but rotate that forearm a little bit on the ground, get your fingers pointing behind you just a little bit angled so that they would point behind you and then push down through the heel of the hand and kind of imagine that there's a bug underneath the heel of your hand. And you're going to squish the bug as you come up to the hand. We're pushing, we're locking that elbow, pushing the ground away and creating that really stable position. Um, and the other, uh, you know, talking of body promotion, body proportions in that other word that you like to use um uh the difference between your humorous length the length of your humorous and the length of your forearm kicks in here and there are people that have a longer forearm than humorous so when they transition to the hand there's got to be an adjustment made and for some reason and yes i'm partially primarily to blame uh with this idea that this the get up is this uber precise movement where, you know, you should just be able to nail all of these positions. Um, slide the hand in an inch, um, slide the hand out an inch, um, you know, do what you need to, to end up in the best position for you and your body. Um, but where I see this go wrong is either somebody doesn't perform that little bit of rotation and that external rotation is what's going to screw the shoulder into the socket, connect the tricep to the lat push that shoulder blade down into depression, really just connect that shoulder to the body. So lacking that rotation into the move to the hand is, is probably the biggest issue. And when I see people do it and their fingers are still facing forward, I'm like, ah, it's like nails. You can, you can even see though, like you can even look and just see that, that, you know, that forward translation of glenar humor joint just kind of sits forward and you're sitting there going like, no, (laughs) you mean, you mean the pointy shoulder. The pointy, yes. Yes, yes the, the pointy, pointy shoulder. The pointy Sorry, shoulder. I just, I know, I tend to use big words because I want to be able to sound as smart as you, okay? Okay, is that what you're trying to get and, at, Brett? And and, and, I, and I say point, pointy shoulder, um, but 100%. And so, well, I was talking about external rotation earlier. I'm, I'm not immune. Yeah, but you need to use bigger to words so we time. sound smarter, so we can get someone to sponsor us. W- w- wicked smart. Got to sound wicked smart. Got your go, nails. Go Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Great, great commercial. Um, uh, what were we talking about? Um, oh, get ups. Yes. So pointy shoulders. Um, and actually, I'm just realizing and looking at the clock and, and everything. This is a, this is a two parter. We're going to have to yeah. come back for the for the second half of the get up. Um, and I wanted to kind of get through the the transition to the hand and then we'll talk a little more conceptually and then we'll make a note and remember that we got to the hand in our first get up. Uh, podcast and then we will record our second get up podcast well now we uh, have to write a bunch of notes to prepare for next week uh, yeah uh when are we when are we going to start doing that um so next week yeah not not happening (laughs) it's not um 
I can promise you that's not how this works. Um, but that transition to the hand where I think the roll to the elbow is one of the most beneficial uh, movements in the, in the getup. I think the transition to the hand is one that sets people up for more problems down the road. Because if you don't properly connect that shoulder, if you don't have that scapular depression, external rotation of the shoulder, that really great connected position, then sweeping the leg is going to load that bottom shoulder in a way that we don't want to load. And so having an efficient move to the hand and setting yourself up for that good sweep of the leg is just makes this uh, a, a really important step of the getup. And, and like I said, where I think the roll to the elbow is where a lot of benefit in the getup lies. I think you set yourself up for a lot of problems by not having the uh, transition to the hand be effective. Absolutely. And, and I think one of the things people only think about in the getup is the, the kettlebell overhead. They're thinking about the weight and can they get overhead? So they think, well, if someone can't get overhead from a shoulder mobility standpoint, then we get to fix that. But the other component is on the downarm shoulder extension. And that's something that a lot of people lack people that have trouble doing dips because it you know hurts their shoulders. I guarantee they probably are lacking shoulder extension. So everyone is always so concerned about what is overhead and size of the weight. But remember that bottom arm is, is, is holding a percentage of your body weight. That's pretty damn important. And if that bottom arm isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing and you don't have everything connected, then you're compromising what's going on on the top arm. So it really is this total body movement and we can get into opposing limb reciprocation and all the big fancy words, but you just, it is, all aspects in order to do a get up well, everything needs to be sort of functioning optimally on the same page. And, and, uh, I think that's where, you know, people, they get so concerned about the weight and they don't think about, you know, the entire, the shoulders aren't just lifting the get the, the kettlebell, right. in the get up, it's the entire, it's, it's the entire body. And people just forget about that because they think what's going on overhead and they're not thinking about anything else on the bottom arm. 100%. And that bottom arm is, uh, you know, because nobody builds a two-legged stool, right? Uh, during the getup, we usually have, we move from two points of contact to three points of contact typically uh, within within the getup at, at certain points. And so when we get really good at connecting that bottom shoulder, both at the elbow and the hand for the sweep and for the transitions and returning to the ground through those transitions, um, this is just a really key, key point. And I, I think that, uh, kind of, as we try to pull this first episode on the get up together, um, and what I hope our listeners, um, are, uh, are picking up on is when you talk an inch wide mile deep, the get up is an inch wide mile deep. And we want to have a very accessible exercise that we can teach very quickly, very simply, to a wide variety of people, but as the instructor, as the coach, as the, uh, you, you want to be able to go that mile deeper and know what's happening at all of these transitions and spot these things that, that need to be fixed. Uh, so when I was talking about the good positions, bad positions earlier, and we were talking about that top shoulder, well, I do the same thing for the bottom shoulder. So when somebody's at the elbow, I have them kind of let that shoulder get crunched up like they're hanging out at the beach. Um, and then uh, push that ground away to create that really stable position and do that through all the steps of the getup as well. And 
instead of instead of being so afraid that somebody finds a bad position, teach them what the bad position is in a yeah. safe and unloaded uh, situation, so that when they do it, they're like, "Oh, hey, that, yeah, you're right. That didn't that didn't feel good." But if you don't take them through that exploration of of the Goldilocks experiment of too hot, too cold, just right. I think you're missing missing out on something from a coaching standpoint. So um, very rarely uh, have we ended up with a two-parter. Uh, we got through uh, two exercises in the deadlift and the swing um, when we did the first one of these uh, improve your skills sort of series. Um, the get-up's a two-parter, and that should give everybody a little bit of an indication of the layers uh, that are that are possible here. Yeah, and and absolutely. And, uh, you know, for those of you who are kettlebell coaches, strong first certified coaches, that this is what you do day in and day out. Um, understanding the intricacies of this movement is vital to the success of your clients. Now, if you're just someone that's teaching get up, you don't have to go down the rabbit hole. Like Brett, could, Brett and I could probably do literally an eight hour course on the get up. It, and it's probably would be a, an, an, an extreme overkill, but I hope you can understand that we are incredibly passionate about this lift. And this is something that we are always trying to get better at. I mean, look, level one, SFG, six exercises, that's it. And if you can get good at six, six, you can probably get in the best shape of your life with some quality programming and, and some, some solid effort, but it just goes to show you don't need to do fancy things. You just need to do things really, really well. And I think the best coaches can take something like a getup and, and break out pieces in order to make the entire getup a little bit better. And that, that just comes down to, again, really good coaching. So, um, this is, this is where your, your head goes when you've been doing this for long enough, you're always trying to find those little things to make it a little bit better. And maybe it's a certain cue, or maybe it's just a certain way that you, you, you know, you speak, or maybe the message that you give someone just resonates a little bit uh, in a little bit different fashion. So, um, as you can tell, we are, we are passionate about this lift and, um, you know, we like to dig deep on this because this is something that we do day in and day out. And we've seen what learning a quality getup can do not only for shoulder function, but for overall health, it's pretty awesome. So a couple, couple closing thoughts. Uh, number one, for the second part, we will be finishing the steps to get up and talking about common mistakes. We'll talk some programming uh, and we'll talk about what changes when you do a heavy get up. And um, that's become a contentious thing in some circles as to whether you should do heavy get ups. We'll talk about our opinions on that uh, as we as we come back and finish up the, the second part of this. Uh, remember that a day without get ups is a bad day. Uh, if you don't know what a get up is, um, kettlebells from the ground up, Kayla Stennis, uh, I think is a great way to start. Um, I had a short section in my iron cardio video on, uh, the get up because I do get ups every time I train. And so when I, um, I have a, you know, start with a 24 kilo get up. And if I'm going to be incorporating a 36 or a 40 kilo bell into my training, uh, I will do a get up with a 36 or 40 kilo uh, bell. I'll, I'll ladder up 24, 32, 36, 40. And I'll go through all of those weights because I want to have held that weight through my body before I start pressing it, squatting it, swinging it. And so um, I, I'm a, I'm a fan 
I'm a fan of low of the uh, the getup. As am I, and 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 I'll be uh I'll be the first one to say that I need to do more. Um, because when I do more, I feel better. Funny how that works. Um, anyways, uh, Shocker. yeah. So we got through the roll to elbow and the elbow to post in about an hour. So, um, we are going to start the next podcast uh, after this one, and we are going to you know, finish up the getup and talk about variations, programming, you know, all of the different components of it. So, uh, we will see you on the, uh, the next episode. And if you are looking for some resources uh, on the getup, um, check out iron cardio, Brett Jones, um, kettlebell strong first. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to do that with Pavel and we did cover uh, the getup in that. And then also uh, kettlebell essentials, which is my other uh, digital product that I did four or five years ago um, on uh, BJJ Fanatic Strong and Fit. So there seems to be a common theme here. But um, you know, if you're learning from Brett and Pavel, you can't go wrong. If you're learning from me, you'll probably sc screw a few things up. But that's that's completely fine. Um, but anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, do us a huge favor. Um, please give us a positive review on whatever platform you are listening to, and uh, we will uh, see you on the next episode. So get up to speed on our podcast. <laughs> that was solid. Terrible. Okay, that's a terrible dad jokes. We're going to do an episode where we just do really bad dad jokes. And that's it. I my think that'll be a good one. My favorite dad joke. When does a joke become a dad joke? When? When it's apparent. All right. So we'll see you on the next one. <laughs> Hey friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.